Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. As you're seated, why don't you look at somebody next to you and tell them, I might be wrong. You can put it in the chat. If you're joining online, you can say, I might be wrong about. I know, and for some of us that comes more easily, and for some of us it comes with a little bit of gritted teeth and a little bit of, I'm not sure that I really. You know, one of the last things like I really got in trouble for when I was growing up, I was a teenager, I was probably like 16 or 17 years old. One of the last things I got in trouble for in my parents' house was an inability to admit that I was wrong. I mean, I went toe to toe with my dad because I thought I was right. And it was something so trivial. I don't remember what it was even to this day, but I remember the moment because I was like, no, it was something like who was an actor in a movie or like really trivial. And I was like, no, it was so-and-so. And my dad was like, no, that's not who was in that movie. It was so-and-so. And for whatever reason, I lean into it. And I'm like, no, it was definitely person A. And he's like, Meredith, it wasn't, it was person B. And I'm like going in. So he's like, fine, go get the VHS out of the cupboard. Go get the the movie out of the cupboard, bring it over here. And we read on the back and sure enough, he was right about it. And I was like, but I wouldn't admit it. I just like looked at it and I was like, hmm, and gave it back to him. Have you ever done that? Like you've taken in new information, but you don't actually want to like alter where you're going with your life. So I took in the new information and I was like, hmm, and put it back down. And my dad was like, whoa, 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 I'm sorry. What does that mean? And I was like, that there's the video back. It means there is the video being returned to you. And he leans in and he's like, oh no, we are not leaving here until you say to me, I was wrong about it. And I was like, and honestly, it was like a standoff. My mom and my brother, like, you know, when you're like, we're just gonna back on out of this situation, left the room and it's me and my dad there at the counter for like another 10 to 15 minutes until he finally wears me down to saying, I was wrong about that. And we're in the middle of a series, if you missed last week, that we're titling, I Was Wrong About. And this week, last week we talked about I was wrong about success. And this week we're talking about I might be wrong about following Jesus. I might be wrong about following Jesus. Here's the thing, is that what happened in my life in that situation is that new information came to me. My, my, my error wasn't really that I was wrong. Sometimes we're just wrong. Sometimes you remember something differently. Sometimes you thought that one thing was another thing. Sometimes you, you think you're thinking about a one movie and then you realize, oh, that's the movie we're talking about. But when the new information comes, 
That's the moment when it's time for us to alter the way that we're living, the way that we're interacting, the way that we're behaving, so that we are able to move forward. And it's an important thing for us to be able to say, I might be wrong about that. I might have taken in some new information that changes the way I see something now. I might have some new information that makes me move in a new direction. We're looking at our core text is out of the book of Romans. It's in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. This is the verse we're going to be looking at for the next several weeks. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your Mind. If you are going to renew your mind, if you're going to take on some new mindsets, it is going to require us to look at some things in our life and say, I might have been wrong. There might have been some ways that I saw things and thought about things and believed about things previously that are no longer the way that I think about things and see things and believe about things. And those have adjusted the way that I live. It says, by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect that you may discern what is the will of God. And it says, I want you to be transformed. God says, I want you to live lives that are totally renewed, that are totally changed, that have been completely altered to move in a brand new direction. This idea of being transformed is that the form of something takes on a totally new design, whether that is in physical characteristics or inner transformation, that the way that I was is no longer the way that I am because of something that I encountered. And in this scripture, they the apostle Paul tells us that the the way that we become totally renewed and totally transformed is by the way that we renew our minds, by the way that we change our thinking. Today, I want us to examine our thinking, examine our lens that we have about what it means to follow Jesus so that we can be those who are transformed. And we hit on something last week that I knew I was going in this direction and I didn't think I was going to go back here. But when I went past it in last week's, I was like, oh, that's good. We need to go back there next week. Which is in the book of Exodus, we were talking about the children of Israel being um, freed from Egypt. They came up out of Egypt, and then they were beginning their journey following the cloud and following the, the pillar of fire. And they started heading into the wilderness, and it says in Exodus 13, 17 through 18, it says, When Pharaoh let the people go... God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near. For God said, lest my people change their minds when they see war. Now you can change your mind in a direction that moves you closer to the thing that God has for you, or you can change your mind in a way that leads you back to the place of destruction that he brought you out of. And God said, lest they change their minds when they see war and they return to 
Egypt, but God led the people around the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, and they were equipped for battle. So here's the thing. Here is the children of Israel. They have been freed from Egyptian bondage. They have been held in slavery for generation on generation, and they come to this moment where God says to them, you have been released from slavery. Pharaoh decrees, let the people go, send them out, and they move from a side here of bondage to a step over here of freedom, and God begins to lead them in a direction. But here's the thing. Although their bodies have been freed, their minds and their thoughts and their belief systems are still in captivity. There are some ways that they think about things and there are some ways that they see things. The way and the framework of the world that they live in has not yet been transformed. The way and the world that they live in, I'm taking my time because I want us to get this all the way. The way that they live in this thing is not yet formed into the people that God has for them to be. They have been living for around 400 years in Egyptian captivity. And like it or not, when you live in and amongst people, the way that you live next to those people has to impact you. It has to change you. It has to form you. And over their years of bondage and Egyptian slavery, their belief system and their identity and the way that they saw the world and the way that they saw God got all entangled with their Jewish heritage and with their Egyptian bondage. And now, even though these are the children of Abraham who God said, come this way to a place that I'm going to show you, even though these are God's favored people who he said, I'm marking you as my people who I am going to change the world through, even though they are all of those things, they are also a people who have been living in bondage for generation on generation. And yes, they believe in this Yahweh God, but they also kind of have gotten some mixed up belief about who Pharaoh is and some mixed up belief about who all of these other hundreds of gods that the Egyptians serve and worship is. And they've also kind of gotten some mixed up beliefs about who they really are, even though God said that they are his chosen people. They have lived under generations of people who have been ruled by other people. So it's kind of confused the way that they see the world. And here's the thing, this isn't just about the Israelites. Though this was their life and though this was their reality, God also uses them as a picture for you and for I. Because before we came into relationship with Jesus, and some of you are like, before? I ain't got no relationship with Jesus. Somebody just told me to come here today, and I'm just trying to see what's going on. Excellent. Today is for you. If you do not yet know Jesus, there is no better place you can be than on this stream or in this room. This is a place where you are welcome before you encounter him. So there are these people, us, these people, us, who used to be not in relationship with Jesus. And then, just like the Egyptians, we have an encounter 
with a saving, good, gracious, almighty God, and we say, I'm going to walk in a new direction, and we step in that direction, and back there, I was no longer saved, and here, I am saved into his marvelous light, and there, I wasn't sure about my eternity, but here, I know that I will live forever for him, and back there, I had some mindsets, and I had some thought patterns, and I had some belief systems, and here, I have some mindsets, and I have some thought patterns, and I have some belief systems that came right on with me out of captivity and into freedom. I haven't yet been transformed in my, my soul is saved. My soul is brand new. He has made my spirit man new again, but the way that I live in this world, I've spent a lot of time, generations in fact, in this world that is broken and that is fallen and I have some things that have gotten mixed up that though I am an image bearer of God, though I am made in his very form and in his very creation, I also have created a lot of belief systems about whether or not I'm valuable and whether or not I'm worthy and whether or not I'm worth fighting for and whether or not I have to prove myself to you day in and day out and how I interact with everything it is and I'm not really sure and that was me on this side and to be honest that's me on this side as well because he saved me and he freed me but I brought who I was with me and so God says to them I'm gonna take you the long way round And he begins taking them the long way, though it's not the most direct route. He takes them the longer way around because he says they're not yet ready for this battle. Now, this is curious to me because he also, on his long way around, takes them right up to the edge of a sea. And for them to get through the sea, what does he do? He parts the sea. He opens that sea up, right? Right? He takes him to the edge of a sea. Pharaoh's people start to come because they've changed their mind. And so God just blows his wind and he opens that sea right up. Why is this odd to me? Because if God can blow and can open a sea and let them walk right through it, don't you think that God could have handled a Philistine army for them? But he didn't. He said, I don't want you to go that way because I'm not sure that you're ready for that way. What does that tell me? That tells me that God was more concerned about their formation than he was about their conquering. He was more concerned about them finding out something new about who they were. He was more concerned about walking them in a path that would transform them more and more into his likeness than he was concerned about just taking them to the next place that they could conquer and that they could overcome, that there was something that he was trying to do in them and he begins to walk them in this path around the wilderness and as he walks them in this path the first thing that he wants to prove to them is not everything that they can overcome and everything that they can tackle the first thing he wants to prove to them is how great he is and how awesome he is and how mighty he is and that he is the God above all gods and that he is the king above all kings and that Pharaoh doesn't have nothing on God Almighty who will part a Red Sea and who will send manna down from heaven when God walks you into something have you ever noticed some of I want to talk to those of you who have been saved for a long time if you've been saved for a long time 
Have you ever noticed how like your friends encounter Jesus, they make a decision, they get saved and come into salvation and you're like, boom, thing after, you're like, they just got a new house and then they got a promotion and then they've been trying to have a baby for five years and they having babies all over the place and, it, and they're, you know, their families come to Jesus and they prayed for somebody and they got healed and, and it's like, boom, 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 boom. It's like everything all around them just as why? Because God wants to make a point to them that I am God Almighty that you just stepped into something that is about to change your entire life, that he just moved us and walked us into something. And here's the thing about following Jesus. We step into following Jesus, and we think it's time to attack every battle that's facing in front of us. We think it's time for us to conquer everything that we're dissatisfied with or every enemy that's coming against us because we've got to get it all right and get it all together as quickly as humanly possible. Is it possible that the reason that God isn't talking to you about that issue in your life yet is because he doesn't think you're ready for that battle yet? He would eventually walk them back to the Philistines. He would eventually walk them back and say, now you're ready to conquer. Now you're ready to take this. But we get saved and we go, cool, I got saved yesterday. Today, I'm about to tackle this issue in my life. Maybe. But maybe can you just look at the grandness and the goodness of God? Because I want to suggest to you that the reason that you want to tackle that issue is not necessarily from a deep conviction of the Holy Spirit, but as a desire to prove to other people that you are as holy as he has already made you to be because we think it's our external modifications that are what make us holy, not our internal transformation that continually walk us closer and closer to his likeness and make us transform day by day out of relationship with him. And so we want to be able to tell people, hey, I got saved on Sunday, and guess what? Today, I'm no longer a liar and I'm no longer a cheater and I don't have any addiction issues and I no longer talk to anybody rude and I'm super nice to everybody that I'm in and I'm calling everybody back. We want to we want to prove to everybody that we've done it because we think that it's my goodness that makes it evident that I'm following Jesus. We think that it's my goodness that I present to people and say, hey, you should become a follower of Jesus too. Look how good I am. Look how I hold the door for other people as I'm waiting for them to walk through and that's a nice thing to do. You should do it sometimes but that's not what makes you saved and that's not the evidence in your life that he has saved you and that's not the evidence in your life that's in fact our message is oh my lord i'm such a mess you should look at me you should see how i lost it on my kids this morning while i was trying to pack them up to come to church to dedicate them to come to church to tell people about the goodness of god you should see what a mess i am how i've got stuff stacked up all in my life you should see what an absolute mess i am if you could hear the thoughts that i think when i look at people and i tell them i'm so glad about that when on the inside of my mind i'm like i can't believe you should see what an absolute it's not that i'm so good it's that i am an absolute mess i am a mess from top to bottom but he is good jesus is the only one that is good jesus is the only one that is pure jesus is the only one that is holy and i come to him and i say i'm such a mess i'm such a mess i'm messed up on every side Perhaps the reason we've gotten so confused about what it is to follow Jesus is that we think that we're supposed to present to our city and to our neighbors and to our friends how good we are. That's not the message. The message that we're supposed to present to our friends and our families and our colleagues and our neighbors is that I'm such a mess. 
I'm broken on the inside and I feel weak today and I feel unsure about what the next steps is, but in the midst of all of that, he loves me still. In the midst of all of that, he died for me still. In the midst of all of that, he is good and he is faithful. And I think that if he can love me with all my messed up parts, I'm pretty sure that he can love you with all your messed up parts too. It's not how good we are. It's are we being formed along the way. We get into this thing about how far along we are, how good we've made it, or how close to him we've made it. And and we get in this comparison about whether or not we've made it good enough to tell other people about his goodness, or if we've made it far enough or close enough. And this is the issue with that, is that it's never really gonna ever be quite enough, because it kind of depends when you ask me on which way I'm looking, or or which way you wanna know how, how good I am. Walking with him has transformed my life. Walking with him has made me a better person. Walking with him has made me more like him. But I was on a call earlier this week with, um, with this like coach, and they were asking me about um, how, how I felt like I was doing. You know, they were like, rate yourself from one to 10 in this area. And I told him, I said, yeah. It kind of depends on what you're asking. Because if I, if I gave you a rating based on where I was two years ago compared to where I am now in that area, I'd give you a pretty solid rating, like maybe like an eight or so. But if you're asking about where I feel like I am compared to where I feel like I'm going to be and I'm supposed to be, when I look in that direction, I'd probably be closer to like a three because I see, I I can look back and I can say, oh, God has changed me and he's transformed me and he's moved me so much and there's so much about my life that is better than it used to be. Trust me, y'all, I, mm, if you looked back a decade or two. But when I look forward as well, to the things that he's placed on the inside of me, to the things that I hear him calling me towards, towards the things that I hear him drawing me towards. When I move in that direction, I still, I feel this tension of the gap of there's so much space because what he does is he's not taking me in a direct line, the fastest route. I mean, who loves the fastest route? I use my GPS to get to places I know I know how to get to because I just want to confirm that I am taking the fastest possible route. But God's not a GPS system. He's not looking for the fastest possible route to get you somewhere. He's looking for the best route to get you somewhere, the route that will form you and that will change you from the inside out so that when you get there, you can look back and say, I started one way, but somewhere along the journey, I turned into someone else along the path because I walked with him long enough and I journeyed with him long enough that he began to change me. I think we might be wrong about what it means to follow Jesus. Have you ever thought about what it was like to be one of the disciples? Have you ever imagined what it was like for these guys to get called into this role of being able to walk around and follow Jesus? Have you ever thought about this, I mean, ragtag, mismatched group of people that Jesus called to follow him. 
I wonder if they knew everything that they were signing up for when they said, I'm going to go follow Jesus now. Could almost guarantee you that they didn't have any idea exactly what it was they were signing up for because there had never been anything like it ever before. And here are these guys that say, I'm getting ready to go follow Jesus. And the reason I know that it's not our goodness, it's not our preparedness, it's not our righteousness of ourselves, it's not how great we are in life, is the, this crew that Jesus called. Right? He calls this guy who has become such a political fringe member that they call him the zealot. It's like his nickname. Right? His nickname is guy out on edge, political, like, weirdo. Right? He's way over here. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm going to call you. I want you to come on over here. And then in the same group, he calls the guy who has totally abandoned his faith for financial gain. The tax collector who said, I actually know that making a decision to walk in this way and earn money in this way is going to cut me off from my faith community, but I want this wealth and I want this lifestyle and I want this status so much that I'm willing to make that decision. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's my guy too. I want you guys to sit by each other at the table and just have a little conversation tonight over dinner right? These guys hate everything about each other. And then he gets these fishermen and he brings them along and he gets this doctor and he brings him along and he says, I've got this whole crew that doesn't look like they know how to do anything right. That's absolutely messed up in every way. And that has gotten it wrong about a lot of things because they were trying to get it right. And they got it all mixed up. And out of walking with him, they begin to be transformed. Out of walking with him, they begin to change their minds about some things. Out of walking with him, they begin to take in new information that requires them to look and say, you know what, I might have been wrong about this. And they walk with him a little bit longer, and as they keep walking with him, this mismatch, confusing group of teenage and young 20-something guys all of the sudden turn in to the apostles of the church who would go into all the world breaking forth new territory in different areas and saying, we have come to declare to you that Jesus is the Christ. If he can do that with them, what do you think he can do with you? When you come to him and you say, I might have been wrong about some things along the way. I might have seen some, God, I was trying to get it right, but I think I got a little bit confused. I think I thought that following you was about how good I could be. I think that following you was about if I could conquer the next great thing in my life. I think that I thought following you was about making sure I have everything together in my life so that I can tell other people what, it, how, what a good thing it is for me to follow you. And he says, nah, I don't need you to do any of that. I need you to stay in relationship with me I need you to take the long way round and let me prove to you that walking with me is going to change the way you think about some things that walking with me is going to change the way you see some things I need you to keep walking with me so that I can prove to you that I am God of all gods that I am bigger than the things that you have put your faith in and your confidence in I'm bigger than that degree that you've gotten 
and I'm bigger than the promotion that you got and I'm bigger than how much money you can save and I'm bigger than your family I'm bigger than all of I know we don't have idols that are made of gold and set up in temples but we have things that we put our faith and our confidence in that we think those things are bigger and are stronger than who our God is Jesus says if you just walk with me I want to prove to you that it's not any of those things I want to prove to you just how big we'll get to conquering those things in your life we'll get to those battles in a little bit we'll come back and make sure we talk about your anger problem We'll come back and talk about the root of your people pleasing. We'll come back and talk about that trauma and how you were hurt. But right now, can I just prove to you who I am for a minute? Will you just walk with me? Will you just walk with me a little while longer? That's all he's asking. Some of you have never signed up for following Jesus because you think you're not good enough and you know I'm not ready to face the Philistines yet. You're afraid if I say yes to Jesus, he's gonna wanna talk about, and you're like, you're like, I don't need anybody to tell me. I am not ready to dig down that hole yet. I've got good news for you. He won't take you until you're ready. He's not asking you to conquer that thing today. He's not asking you to talk about that thing today. He's not asking you to face anything you're not ready. He's asking you to come be in relationship with him. I think our misconception about Jesus And following Jesus is that following Jesus is all about how good I can get. When in reality, following Jesus is about walking with him and letting him transform us day by day, moment by moment. If you're in the room and you can stand, I would love for you to stand right now. If you're watching online, just lean in in a way that helps you continue to engage. I'm going to pray a prayer for anyone who's listening right now who just says, I need to surrender anew. You've been, you're a follower of Jesus. You would tick on a box that I'm a Christian and you come most weekends and participate in what's happening. You probably even give a little bit. But as you're listening today, you can feel, God, I think that I've been wrong about this. I think that I've seen it the wrong way today. I think that I thought that it was about my goodness. I think that I thought that following you was about proving how good I could get. And just as a sign of surrender, we're gonna end where we started. I want us to lift our hands. If you said, that's you, for that's me for sure. God, I need you to give me a new vision of what it means to follow you. I'm gonna pray this prayer over you right now. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your loving kindness. I thank you that following you is about coming into relationship with you, Jesus, and walking with you. I thank you that you prove to us how good, how great, and how mighty you are, Father God. We say that you're holy, and so I speak over these people right now who have courageously lifted their hands to say, I surrender to you, Jesus that you would give them a fresh vision of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that you would give them a fresh picture, God, of what it means to walk with you. I speak over their lives that even right now and as they leave today, they would feel the closeness of your love in a fresh way. And God, I ask you to give them a confidence and a boldness to admit I was wrong. 
and to start telling some people, it's not how good I am, it's what a mess I am, but how good he is. In Jesus' name, amen.